0: ask you to try and migrate back to your seats. Uh, as you do, there's a, uh, there's a video we want to share with you this morning. Um, it's about what God's doing uh, with family here and what He's doing all over the world. You know, we are a local church that has global influence. And uh, you impact people all over the world because of your prayers, because of your giving, uh, we're eventually going to get all the flags up in the foyer. There are about 40 of them that represent the countries that you're giving impacts, which is amazing. It is absolutely amazing, but it's obviously God. And uh, this morning, we want you to see this video of uh, some of the family members that are going to be doing some amaz- amazing things as they step out to uh, fulfill what God has. So watch the screens. the visit some of our Christ who we had not had the opportunity to see for many years. Pray for us as we our messages, finalize our plans and as we're to Thank you Now I have to tell you I, in the first service Mark and Laurie were sitting about the third row back and I just watched them to see how they were watching themselves. And I said, how was that? And they were like, that was very uncomfortable. <laughs> but didn't they do a great job? Yeah. And I'm telling you, this is, a, this is a great opportunity. And there's Mark. You did just as good a job in this one as you did the last one. <laughs> but this is, this is so cool that, that part of the family here is headed out to Uganda. Uganda. And got to be ministering the love of God, the truth of God's Word, to see lives absolutely eternally changed. And uh, we need to be praying. Like they said, one of the greatest things you can do is pray. Pray for them. Speak the, the Word of God, the life of God's Word over them. And you know, the Bible tells us that the prayers of the saints are uh, held in golden vials to be poured out at the right time. So if you start praying now, God can pour them out when they get there, all right? Um, God God will take care of it all. But the other thing we have an opportunity to do is financially support them. Uh, we really believe as a church, we, we want them to go fully fortified in prayer, fully fortified financially, and with all the different things that they talked about doing, uh, the different seminars, the plumbing in the guest house for the missionaries. Uh, you know, you think about that and you think, well, they don't have Plumbing? No, they don't. See, there are a lot of things that we have, we take for granted that are real incredible blessings to these people. And we want to be able to support financially so that can be done and then helping with the the, uh, buildings and things like that. So I'm asking you to do this because we all have a part. You know, there are no extra pieces in the body of Christ. Every part has a part. And so if you'd be praying, pray and ask God with an open heart God, what do you have for us to do? What do you have for me to do? Because I believe when all of God's people are obedient to God, then there is always an abundance. And when we're obedient to God, just like we heard, if we're obedient to God, if we fear God and honor God and reverence God and trust God and obey God, God's not, listen, God's never trying to get something from you, okay? Please, please, if that's a perspective you have, please get rid of it. God is always trying to get something to you, but it requires us sowing seeds. So whatever seed God has for you to sow, it's not about you being without. It's about God being able to multiply it back to you so that you can be an even greater blessing in the future. Amen? So if you're going to be giving, uh, take an envelope Write on it for Uganda. And what we will do is we will make sure that Mark and Lori have everything that that we have to give them. They're going to be able to send it on ahead of them. All right? So just be available to God on that. Amen? All right. God is so good, isn't He? Well, today we're going to continue on talking about uh, the vision that Ezekiel had about the the resurrection life that that God wanted to bring to a very desperate, uh, dead people, and uh, it's 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 applicable to us in our time because there's a lot of things going on that are are, are similar to this. But uh, he had this vision, and uh, you know it it was it was about very intense things, um, and we're going to get to that in a second. But I heard about. A game today? <laughs> You're like, what are you talking about? Well, you know, it is a game. It's played every year about this time. And what, what's the game determine? The champions. We are the champions. Oh, man, here we go. I heard it go, Chiefs. And I'm sure there's another one here. And all of a sudden, we're going to be fractured and divided before you know it. But but listen, this, this game was played last year and, and the year before and the year before and the year before. And do you know that the viewership of the Super Bowl has been declining? Except for last year. It went up a little bit. But it's had a steady decline for many years, which is surprising, but... I was looking to find out what the statistics were of what they said they thought the viewership would be. Not just on TVs, but online, you know, live streaming, things like that. And uh, there are a variety of speculations because nobody knows for sure except for God. And uh, one, one said 120 million. Another one said 192 million. Now, I don't know what it is, but that's a, that's a large group of people. And did you know that there are going to be two Christian advertisements, commercials? There are two Christian commercials that are going to be shown during the Super Bowl, which means that there are millions of people that are going to be exposed to who Jesus is. Now, this, this comes from, and you may have seen them. I don't know if you've seen these commercials called He Gets Me. They are they are amazing commercials, and they caught our attention. And uh, some of the leaders here were like, you know, these are great. Who's doing them? And I want you to know, we worked really hard to try and find out who was doing them, and could not find out for the longest time. But it, because we want to make sure that just if the message is that we want to make sure that the the foundation behind them is is tracking with God with this word, and we found out that the. Uh, Hobby Lobby, the owner of Hobby Lobby, uh, is the biggest contributor to this, and he's a, a solid Christian, and there are a number of other organizations and people, and so um, just, just look for these commercials, because these are opportunities. Most of the people that you know are going to see these commercials, because a lot of people watch the Super Bowl for the commercials instead of the game. Because sometimes the game gets crazy and it's so lopsided, you're like, okay, bring on the commercial. It's the first time I've looked for commercials to come. But uh, these commercials are going to expose people to who Jesus really is and be praying for them, but also be aware that those commercials are not just for the unbelievers. These commercials are revealing who Jesus is and how he goes about things, and we as followers of Christ need to look at our lives in comparison to how Jesus is being revealed and are we tracking are we showing unconditional love are we caring for the people around us or are we critical and so for us as believers we watch it we we take it in but we need to not just view it as entertainment we need to realize that man this is a time to evaluate where am I God, if I'm on track, I'll celebrate that. If I need to make an adjustment, I'll celebrate that. And if there are things in my life I need to get rid of, I'll do that. But also, know after the Super Bowl, you have been set up. And so as your family members and your friends and your co-workers set up for you to start a conversation, to be able to say to them, hey, What'd you think about the Super Bowl? Oh, my team lost. Oh yeah, yeah. Did you see the commercials? Yeah, some of them were good. What'd you think about that one commercial? Did you see it? All right. When you when you get to that point, they're either gonna say yes or no. If they didn't see it, you may be able to help them understand what was presented about Jesus. You're just telling about a commercial that was on national TV. And if they say, Yeah, I saw it, just say what'd you think? Now listen, be careful, because if they come across like, I don't believe in that Christian stuff, you know, all Christians are hypocrites, that kind of... If you react to them, then you're supporting what they believe. But if you listen to them, value them enough to hear them out. And then just have a conversation if they're willing to have it. But this is an opportunity. We have not had, out, apart from when that NFL player got knocked out and his heart stopped... That was another opportunity God gave us nationally to be able to talk about the power of prayer. But this is another one. Take all these opportunities, please, please, please. Amen? Amen. All right. Now, this, this Super Bowl, you know, it's, it's being played by two Christian quarterbacks. Did you know that they were both Christians? I, w- I want to tell you, this is amazing because I, we've looked at, at some of the information about them, Jalen Hurts and Patrick Mahomes, uh, Patrick Mahomes said this before every game: I walk on the field and I just and I do a prayer at the goalposts, and I thank God for the opportunities that uh, God has for letting me be on the stage where I can glorify Him. The biggest thing I pray for is that whatever happens, did you hear that? Whatever happens, win or lose that I'm glorifying Him and doing everything the way He wants me to. Praise God. That's awesome. Now, Jalen Hurts said this, I've realized God is everything and He's worthy of praise. You have to put Him at the center of everything you do. Now, whether your team wins or loses, again, God has allowed these men and they've worked hard to get where they are, but have this platform to be able to give glory to Him. And and do you know that there are a lot of things happening in our, our country, in the media, um, that is very against people speaking up about Jesus. There have been shows and, and awards where individuals have begun, whether it's in sports or it's in entertainment, have begun to give glory to, to the Lord, and they have... Silence the soundtrack, just like they would if somebody was swearing. But they're silencing Christians speaking out for Jesus more and less for the swearing. And so it's another indication of the times that we're living in. And and so you know if they're going to do that, we need to. Have, we don't have a platform like Patrick Mahomes or Jalen Hurts, but you all have a platform. There are people that you know. And God is giving us the privilege and the opportunity to be able to speak to these people. Not tell them what we think, but love them. To listen to them. Do you know, until you listen to them, the likelihood is they're not going to listen to you. Jesus listened to a lot of people, say a lot of things, and he loved them. And doors were opened up to him. So know that we're living in a very very important time and we have opportunities all around us make make the most of it amen all right so this game this game that is being played how many years is the super bowl anybody know how many years it's been played 57 57. right because it's super bowl 57 makes sense (laughs) Wow, you've come for revelation. You have it this morning. <laughs> 57 times the champion of the world has been determined by this game of football. And you know what? Somebody's going to win this game. They're not going to end in a tie. And next year, they're going to do it all again because nobody can be champion forever except except God he is the champion of the world and he has a team and you are part of it isn't that amazing but with this this super bowl people just plan so many things and and are so focused and and For a game that's going to be played, somebody's going to win, we're going to forget, they're going to play it again, somebody's going to win, we're going to forget, somebody's going to... And we get so invested in this and so fanatical about this. Why? Why would we not get that passionate and fanatical about the one who has won the victory over everything for all? Amen. Amen? I have to tell you this. This week, I got a a a text message from somebody, a friend, that was uh, sent this little clip about, you know, it's Super Bowl. When they win the Super Bowl, they pour Gatorade over the uh, the coach that wins. And you know, the Super Bowl. If your pastor is making points on Sunday morning, maybe you want to consider pouring pouring. Gatorade over his head. And I thought, that's not a good idea. I'm either going to be really disappointed because I got no Gatorade or I'm going to be really disappointed that I got a lot of Gatorade. So no Gatorade. And if any points are made, it's because of God. Amen? But today we're going to go to the Word, and we're going to go and find out more about how Ezekiel was so blessed to be used by God to do something miraculous. God wants to do something miraculous. Not only in your life but through your life. And so before we go any further let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your presence. Thank you Father that that you're right here with us. You inhabit the praises of your people. You live in us by your spirit. Where two or more are gathered you are there in their midst. So Father we, we are assured you're here, but Father, we request your participation. We need to hear from you. Father, there are a lot of things that I believe you have for me to say today. But Father, each person, there is something you want to say to them specifically in the midst of all the words here. Help us to recognize that that rhema word, that that sword of the Spirit that that is the it word for us that you impart it to us and that it would impact our lives that we would continue to be more like you be prepared for what's ahead because you always prepare us before the need ever arises so father we thank you for hearing hearts obedient hearts and we thank you for transformed lives and we give you all the praise and the glory and the honor. In Jesus' name, and everyone said? Amen. Okay. So, so in Ezekiel chapter 37, we've been looking at this. This was a, a moment in time where, where God gave Ezekiel a vision. And it was a time where Israel, they were, they were taken captive by the Babylonians. Things were really dark. They were some of the worst times they've ever had. And uh, it tells us in this chapter that, that the people of Israel, the nation of Israel, had lost all hope. All hope was gone or it was dead. And they had no expectation for their nation surviving. They thought that was going to be dead too. And so all of a sudden, God finds Ezekiel. Now last week I shared with you a scripture in Chronicles where it said that the eyes of the Lord run to and fro. All over the earth, God is searching for someone whose heart is fully turned towards Him, that He can show Himself strong on their behalf. And as He was searching, all of Israel, they were were just hopeless. They were heartbroken. They were absolutely expecting nothing to come of them that they were going to be gone. And there was Ezekiel, and God sees Ezekiel, and God realizes this is a person that, that I can work with and that will work with me. You know, God can work with anybody, but not everybody will work with God. And so he sees Ezekiel, and he, he takes him out in the spirit to this valley and, and takes him all around the valley, and the valley is full, full. Every bit of the floor of the valley is full of bones, but the bones are all mixed up. It's not like you've got a skeleton here, a a full skeleton here. They're all mixed up. They're all divided. They're all scattered, and they're very dry, which means they've been dead for a long time. And God asks Ezekiel, not because he doesn't have an answer, he wants Ezekiel to show where he is. God says to Ezekiel, can these dry bones become living people again? And Ezekiel responds, he says, oh, sovereign Lord, you alone know the answer to this this question. And what he's showing is he has a fear of God, he has a reverence of God, he has an awe of God. He's not pompous and prideful enough to say, well, of course not, look at how dead they are. Or, yes, you can do anything. He says, you alone know the answer to that. Because God alone knows the answer to everything. And he truly shows that he is willing to let God do whatever he wants to do. And and he'll be a part of it. And so God begins to tell him to prophesy. uh, Prophesy to the breath. And and I'll bring breath. And these bones will come together. And I'll put sinews on the bones and flesh on the bones. And cover the bones with skin. And I'll put breath in them. And in verse 7. This is where where we looked at last week. But in verse 7 and 8, it says this. So I prophesied as I was commanded. Again, we really stopped right here last week because God had really impressed on my heart that I had kind of overlooked this and it would be easy to overlook that this is, along with verse 3, showing that Ezekiel had a fear of the Lord, that there was a reverence. This is not a terror Jesus feared his father. He had a fear of his father, but it was an awe, a respect, a reverence, an honor of his father. And this is what we're supposed to have. You know, God is close, but God is still God. If you and I aren't in awe of God, there's something wrong with us. This is the creator. I mean, who do you have in your life that you look at and you would be like, if I could just be around that person, that would be the most amazing moment. There was a young man that got saved in the first service. Amen. And I was talking to him afterwards, and I found out he's a musician. And I said, "Hey," uh, because he was he was asking about obedience and 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 fear of God, and and I said, as a musician, who's a musician that you really look up to that you would be like. If I could ever get to be around this person, he said. Um, what did he say? Oh, Dave Matthews. And and I said, yeah, he's he's an amazing musician and singer and and that kind of thing. And and he, I said, so if you got to be with Dave Matthews, what what would be, what would it be like? And he said, well, you know, I just kind of watch him. And and I'd want to be around him and I'd want to learn about him. And, and you know, and we started conversing, and it was very evident that he was having this awe of Dave Matthews. And had this great respect and this great honor and 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 wanted to, to be whatever he could be to, to make you know his life, Dave Matthews' life good. He didn't want to, didn't want to do stupid things around him. When we're in awe of God, we just want to be around Him. We are almost hanging on every word. We just want to hear Him. We want to know Him. We want to do what He wants. Because when we have an awe, a fear of God, there's an honor. But that honor moves into trust and that trust moves into obedience. And just like we heard earlier, a lot of us don't obey God because we don't fear God. Because we don't trust God. And the only way that's going to happen is if you choose to get near God. You get to know God through His Word. You spend time praising God and worshiping God. Spend time praying. Spend time listening for the Spirit of God to reveal truth to you. Get around God's people. All these things. Because this is important to God. You know, a lot of people today are are deconstructing their faith. And what they're saying is, you know, I, I, I love God, but I don't, I don't want to deal with this church. I have to tell you something. That, that really is a foolish statement. If you love God, and He loves the church, which He does, and you say, I don't love the church, I want you to, I want you to realize you're not impressing God, and you're very deceived. Is the church perfect? No, God knew it wasn't going to be perfect, but He's perfecting it. And He wants us to be connected in the church because that's where growth comes from. You and I are not going to grow the way we need to if we're disconnected. And and we're going to find out that the fear of the Lord is one of the things that brings unity. And I taught for weeks upon weeks about unity, the importance of unity and how unity precedes revival. We're expecting revival, but we're not willing to be united because we don't fear the Lord, and we'll see this. We'll learn this in the upcoming weeks. But today we're going to look at this, and we're going to see that he, he prophesied as he was commanded. He feared the Lord, and as he prophesied, it says there was a noise and suddenly a rattling, and bones came together, bone on bone, and indeed, as I looked, the sinews and the flesh came upon them, and the skin covered them. But, and this is where we left off, but what? There was no breath in them. Now, it, it, he's seen this supernatural situation go on in front of him from bones, dry bones, dead, long dead bones scattered all over. All of a sudden, he sees One bone stick to another, and over here that's happening. Another bone sticking to another. Not haphazardly, but there's an order, the way they're supposed to be together. And and God's doing this, and all of a sudden before his eyes, he's seeing full human skeletons. And then on the skeletons, he's seeing tendons. And then he's seeing muscle. And then he's seeing skin, and he's seeing these fully formed human beings laying on the ground. And this was all supernatural, God doing it. But how, how, how was Ezekiel involved in it? He spoke. He spoke what God had for him to speak. And because of it being the word of the Lord, these bones, which represented the nation of Israel, all these people in Israel were divided, they were scattered around each other, there was disunity, there was division. There was death everywhere. And and Ezekiel is speaking to the nation of Israel that is depicted as these bones. And these bones begin to come together because Ezekiel did the part that God had for him. He spoke as he was commanded to. He prophesied as he was commanded to. That's where we have to be obedient. If we fear the Lord, we're going to obey. He obeyed, and that was the... Word of God going forth. Could God have spoken that word himself? But he didn't because he wanted Ezekiel to be a part of this. What an incredible honor. Do you know God wants you to be a part of what he's doing in these days? But he's not going to give you the part that is the supernatural part. He's going to give you the natural part that you have to be obedient in. All of us can speak. All of us can do what he's asked us to do. And when we're obedient, because we fear him, we love him, we honor him, we respect him, we trust him, and we obey him, then things begin to happen just like they did here. You know, I, I've I've been around a situation like this. Uh, when I had my accident, I was taken to the hospital. My right foot was almost completely ripped off. There was a little piece of skin that was holding it. And, and the first hospital I went to, they said, well, you know, we can't find your ankle, and So we're just going to cut the flap and you'll have to have something down there later on. And we went, we said, what's our option? Go to Syracuse. We went to Syracuse. And the doctors told me and told my wife, one of the things that happened was when they started to move my foot around, now I was out, thank God, the bones came together. It was like, just sucked it back together. That was a supernatural work of God. And they found my ankle. Was where it was always supposed to be, at least when they looked. God does these supernatural things that don't always look spectacular. Now, I'll tell you, the enemy is always spectacular. How does he show up? He doesn't show up in a red suit with red horns and a pointy tail and a pitchfork. He comes as an angel of light. You talk about spectacular. Spectacular. And how did Jesus come? Humbly. Humbly. Supernatural. But wasn't necessarily spectacular. It was just like when they, when they fed the 5,000 people. What did they have available to them? Jesus asked the disciples, What's, what do we have to feed these people? They're hungry. And they said, we have nothing but this little boy's lunch. And looking at the lunch, it was not Amazing. It wasn't like, oh, yeah, this will work. And what did Jesus do? He took it from them. He blessed it, broke it, and he gave to each one of the 12 disciples. All right? How much do you think each one of the 12 disciples got? Whatever the handful was that he gave them. And all of a sudden, they're facing over 5,000 people out there sitting in groups, I think, of 50. 50. What's a handful of food when you're going towards 50 hungry people? That is not a good situation. But these guys, by faith, walked out there and gave this one some food. And then gave this one some food. And looked down and there was still food. And gave this one. And kept giving this food till, man, that first group all got fed. Went on to the next group. And you know what? None of those people saw the miracle. They didn't know it was a miracle. All they saw was somebody made, gave them food. But it was not spectacular, but it was supernatural. Who knew the supernatural work that God did? The disciples, because they realized what was happening couldn't happen except God did it. And God did it because they were obedient. They went out and did what the Lord told them to do. And at... You know, I don't know about you, but uh, when, when I serve food, and I don't do it very often, but when I'm giving food away, one of the things that happens in me is I start to get hungry. I'm like, that looks really good. I'd like to have some of that. Don't you think that happened with the disciples? They're they're feeding all the. They had all been out there for a while. They're feeding all these people, and all of a sudden, you know, they're they're going through the crowd. And I would be thinking to myself, I wonder if there's going to be enough left for me. Because that's just me, fleshy me. But I think it's all of us. And at the end of it, the Bible tells us that they got done feeding the five thousand men and whatever women and children were there. And they took back 12 baskets full. More than they started out with. Spectacular? Crowd didn't know it. Supernatural? The disciples definitely knew it. That's what God wants to do through obedience because they honored the Lord. They feared the Lord when He said, Take this. And they did what the Lord told them to do in obedience trusting him and this miracle happened i want you to know god's the way god does miracles it's not like you're going to see god say okay this is going to be a miracle let me show you he's going to ask you to do something you can do he's going to give you something and you as you're obedient because you fear the lord the supernatural work of god will be done and miracles will occur This is the time we're living in, that that God wants this, and that's why we, we need to be people that fear the Lord. We honor, we reverence, we respect. As much as we're looking forward to the Super Bowl, we look forward to time with him more than the Super Bowl, more than any other thing in our life. We want time with him because we know he is the giver of life. We have a thrill because we cheer for our team and they're winning, but we have life because we're on a team that's winning every time god does not lose and so there was no breath no breath in them and and that word breath is the word that we we found out it means wind breath or it was also a word that they referred to holy spirit as and you know there's no life without the spirit in in verse 30 verse 9 of chapter 37, it says this. He also said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath. That's like saying to the bones. Bones, hear the word of the Lord. Bones don't hear. But remember what the bones represented. They represented the people of Israel, and they can hear. And, And he says, say to the breath, say to the Spirit of God. Speak to the Spirit of God. Thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, breathe, O breath, and breathe on the slain that they may what? They may live. That was God's goal. He wanted not just the bodies to come together. He didn't want just everything in its order. He wanted life. And this is exactly uh, like what happened when God created. Man, when Jesus created, Breathe on the disciples. But it, it's because of what this is. John chapter 6, verse 63 tells us, it's Jesus talking and he says, it is the Spirit who gives life. Now, we're, we're alive before we come to Jesus, but we don't have the life of God in us. That's real life. And once we come to believe in Christ and receive his forgiveness, And His Lordship, the Spirit of God, comes and lives in us. He becomes a resident never to leave us. And so it's the Spirit that gives life. The flesh profits not much, right? Is that what it says? Well, I just said not much because, you know, we can do stuff, can't we? Man, there's a lot of stuff we can do. Look at what we do. Look at the world we live in, all our, our progress and all the things we've invented. and But none of that is going to last. The flesh profits nothing. The next time I try and figure out a way or do, we already heard, trust in the Lord with your whole heart, lean not to your own understanding. And always acknowledge Him and He'll direct this is where if we fear God, if we really reverence God, if we really honor God, if we really respect God, if we really are in awe of God and treasure God, then we're going to trust God and we're going to obey God. But if we don't, then we're going to look at different options just like Adam and Eve did. They lost the fear of God in the moment they decided to go somewhere else. God, They weren't in awe of God anymore. They didn't have a reverence for God. But they were deceived. And where there's deception, there's loss. That's the same thing that happens with us. The words that I speak to you are spirit and our life. So he was speaking the word of God to the spirit of God. And the spirit of God was breathing on these now fully farmed human beings that don't have life in them, and all of a sudden they come to life. But again, it's very much like in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, where God created man the first time. He formed him of the, the earth, and then it says he breathed the breath of life into him, fully formed but not alive. There are a lot of fully formed people there out there that are not really alive. They have to have the breath of God the Spirit of God living in them. That's when life comes into us. In John chapter 20, verse 22, it's where Jesus, resurrected Jesus, comes to the disciples who are behind locked doors because they're afraid of what the Jews are going to do because they've just seen them kill their Lord. And He's raised and He comes into this place and He greets them and He says, Peace be with you. And then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. At this moment, you know, these have been followers of Jesus. At this moment, he's now resurrected. He now breathes the Spirit of God on them, and they become alive spiritually. Now, the Spirit of God is in resonance in them. But he also commands them, don't leave until you've received power from on high when the Holy Ghost comes upon you. And we see that happen in the book of Acts. On the day of Pentecost, when the Spirit of God was poured out and and they were filled with the Spirit, a mighty rushing wind came, tongues of fire sat on them, and they began to speak with other tongues. So there was a power that that occurred. But it's the same thing that happened in Jesus' life. In Jesus' life, do you remember where he went before he started his ministry? Because he was preparing the disciples to start their ministry. He went to John the Baptist, is that right? And and what did he ask John the Baptist to do? Baptize him. And so as John the Baptist was baptizing Jesus, he came up out of the River Jordan and and. The voice of the Father. See, this is one place where we see the Trinity. The voice of the Father says, this is my Son in whom I'm well pleased. And all of a sudden, the Spirit of God begins to descend on him like a dove. And so he receives the Spirit of God. But what's the next thing that we know happened? What did the Spirit of God direct him to do? Where did he he send him out to? The wilderness. And, And... the Spirit of God knew why he was sending them out to the wilderness. Jesus didn't, but Holy Spirit did because he knows everything. And he was sending them out to the wilderness for what? To be tempted of the devil. And he was tempted 40 days and 40 nights. The devil came at him and came at him and came at him. And the only way Jesus defeated the devil was he said, it is written. And each time repelled the devil. But there came a time where he left. He knew he wasn't going to have any success there. And the Bible tells us that Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit. There's a difference. He received the Spirit at the River Jordan. He returned in the power of the Spirit. Jesus breathed on the disciples to receive the Spirit. And then when they had the outpouring of the Spirit, there's the manifestation of the power of the Spirit in their lives. They became different men. I'm telling you right now, for for us in this time, we have been carrying around the person of Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. And that's awesome, but our lives should be different. And we should, just like the first disciples, that were the apostles, but they're they're examples for us. Jesus said, don't you leave here until you receive power from on high. Don't start your ministry. Don't go out there and do what I've told you to do until you receive empowerment when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And then you'll be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Well, that, that takes in every place we could go. And we need the same empowerment. But the Bible tells us, and we'll look at this eventually, tells us about the Holy Spirit being poured out on them. Now, the Holy Spirit's been poured out. it's con- He's continued to be poured out. But one of the things about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit is if I lined up a number of cups, and I was thinking about doing this, and I thought, I can't make a mess like this in here. But if I had all these cups laying on a table, some cups were right side up where the the hole was on top. Some were laying on their side. Some were upside down. Some were that way. And I went down all the cups and I poured out the water, being the Holy Spirit, on every one of the cups. All of them would be wet. But only the ones turned towards where the water was coming from would be filled. And I'm telling you right now, it is not a time For any of us to be turned towards anything but God because we need God we need his spirit we need his guidance we need his power we need his grace we need his peace we need all the things that so freely and fully come from God and so the spirit of God was was poured out he was he he filled began to fill these these bones these fully formed humans that weren't alive yet and and so in in verse 10 it says this again showing the fear of the lord so i prophesied as he commanded me as he commanded me now He prophesied what God told him, but he did it in obedience, in reverence, in awe, in respect, in yielding to God. And so God's words going forth because he was obedient. And it says, and breath came into them. You know, if if he didn't prophesy the way God told him, it wouldn't have happened. And God could have done it himself, couldn't he? Couldn't have God just said... Breath, fill them. Spirit, fill them. But God didn't do that. God gave Ezekiel an incredible honor and gift of being part of this miraculous raising of the nation of Israel again. This is what he had for him to do. You speak life, you speak truth, you speak according to my word, according to my spirit. And it says, and they lived. He com- I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath came into them, and they lived. And what's the next thing they did? Man, they're out flat. Now they have life in them, but they stood up. They rose up. I'm telling you right now, this is so applicable to the body of Christ, to the church. Man, it's time for the bones and and all the parts of the body to come together the way God intended because we have been so divided over the stupidest things. And if you don't think they're stupid, then just tell me this. Will they last past this life? Now, you may say, "But, but it's about our nation. I'm telling you, God's got it. God's got it. Every authority that's in authority, the Bible tells us, is there by God's doing. Now, does that mean, well, I don't need to vote then? No, you vote, but you vote according to what the Scriptures tell us to do, not according to what we're hearing from everybody, because no matter what we hear from everybody, they don't always do what they say. But God does. And that's why we should follow him. And the other things that, that we're just so divided over. Really? 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 You're going to divide between a brother or sister in Christ? Now, I'm not talking about the world. You Don't, don't worry about them. Let's just work on the church. You're going to be divided between a brother and sister in Christ because of I don't know what. But Jesus, you are coming against the prayer of Jesus. I pray that you would be one as my Father and I are one. That they would be one. That we would love each other like Christ loved us and gave himself for us. This is the work of the enemy. So we may be a part of the body of Christ, but we're playing for the enemy's team. And he's come to steal, kill, and destroy. And he is doing a magnificent job of it. And it's time for the death that has come to the body of Christ, the division that's come to the body of Christ, to end and us unite. Because when we unite, there is power. God can move the way he intends to in these last days. And they stood upon their feet. They arose. It's time for the church to arise. It's time for the church to rise up in the unity because they'll know you're my disciples by your love one for another. That's unifying. By us being assembled the way God wants, and when I say assembled, when you assemble something, every part is in the right place according to the Creator, not according to the parts. And right now, there are a lot of parts going wherever they want to go and think they should be instead of checking with God because God's not always going to set you in a place that is comfortable for you because you don't grow in comfort. (laughs) Assembling every part in the body of Christ and rising up in the power and the glory God has. And what's, what's it say then? And what? exceedingly great army this this is very applicable to the church this is the last day's church an exceedingly great army but it happens because we fear the Lord we reverence honor respect in awe of God we trust him we obey him we do what he has for us to do the way he has for us to do it and all of a sudden we begin to arise there is a an uplifting Of your life, of the body of Christ, of the people around you. And I don't know anybody that doesn't need a little uplifting in this time. And we stand on our feet, and the world sees the church not for what they think it is. And they see Jesus not for what they think he is, but for who he really is. He is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And and uh, I've got a couple more scriptures I'm going to give you. I'm not going to go into a lot of detail, but these bodies came alive. They stood up, and they were an exceedingly great army. Proverbs one seven. It was because of the fear of the Lord, because of the word of the Lord, because of obedience. Proverbs 1.7 in the Amplified says, The reverent and worshipful fear of the Lord is the beginning and the principle and choice part of knowledge. It's the starting point and its essence. The fear of the Lord is the foundation of your life and my life as a Christian. Without it, we're going to be back and forth, up and down, and, and that's being double-minded. The Bible says if we're double-minded, we're unstable in all our ways, And it says a double-minded man should not expect to receive anything from God. That's, That's God's Word. And so when we get to the place where we are absolutely, we're all in. It is time to get all in, folks. Not one foot here, one foot there. I put my right foot in, I put my right foot out, I put my right foot in and I shake it all about. I do the hokey pokey. Some of you are hokey-poking it all (laughs) over the place. My wife used to do the hokey-pokey. Is that not true, my my sweetheart? She did it all over North Carolina (laughs) in a lot of different libraries with our grandson. She reminds him of that. He doesn't admit it, but she reminds him of that. And it's good for a child, but it's not good for an adult not time to hokey-pokey. It's time to fear God. It's time to be in awe of God. It's time to, to be in high esteem and honor and reverence of God and, and come to that place where we know Him and we trust Him. And because we trust Him, we immediately obey Him. I said this in the first service. Frank, back before when he was uh, in the church, part of the church, uh, he was sharing a message and uh, he said something that has always stuck with me. He said, when we delay our obedience to God, it's disobedience. And you know it is. Why do we delay our obedience? Because we don't trust him. Delayed obedience is just disobedience in slow motion. It's not time to disobey. It's time to obey. God is giving us opportunities. We need to be ready to be all in, to be absolutely available and obedient to Him, not the third time He asks. Ezekiel did it the first time. That's what God's looking for, the first time. Psalm 33 verse 18 in the ampli- 18 and 19 in the amplified. it says, "Behold, the eye of the Lord is upon, Those who fear him, who reverence, who revere and worship him with awe. And look at this. Who wait for him and hope in his mercy and loving kindness to what? Deliver them from death and keep them alive in famine. Isn't that what happened with the bones? Deliver them from death. And this goes on to say keep. Us alive and famine. What's it talking about? Those difficult times ahead. I'm going to tell you, if you don't hear the difficult times are ahead, you're not hearing truth. Difficult times are ahead. But Jesus said, be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Whatever you're facing, I've already won. And I'm going to give you the victory. So don't fear the difficult times. Realize that's a moment in time where people around you going through some of the same difficult times are going to see you enter into them, but see you go through them in a totally different way and end up better than you started, because that's your God. And then finally, in Psalm 85, verse 9, in the New Living Translation, it says this, Surely His salvation is near to those who fear Him. Aren't you glad for that? Because salvation isn't just a ticket to heaven. It's everything that pertains to life. Is near to those who fear him. So our land will be what? Say it again. Oh, one more time. Filled with his glory. That's what's going to happen when we fear God. The Bible tells us the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God, just like the waters cover the sea. Well, how's that going to happen? We're going to be filled with the Spirit. We're going to be people that fear the Lord. We're walking right in step. Man, when God takes a step, we take a step. When God turns right, we turn right. We're just, we're just tracking with Him. We're trusting Him, and we're obeying Him, and we're filled with Him, and we're doing what He says, and all of a sudden the glory of God begins to just everything. No one will ever have an excuse when they stand before the Lord why they didn't make Jesus Lord of their life. Because they're going to see. The Bible says all creation displays His glory. And some people are all caught up with, well, what about the people that are in the middle of the rainforest? They don't know about church. They see God's creation, they see the display of of how the glorious God created everything. And God's going to make sure that there's no person that is left out, that hasn't been made aware. Do you know? You probably don't, because you don't hear it on the news. That there are thousands upon thousands of Muslims in the Middle East that are having visitations by the Lord. And they are so sure of their, their Lord, now Jesus, and have made such a radical commitment to Him that they are willing to die for it. That's our brothers and sisters over there. And we're unsure of trusting God because of what? Help me. I'm telling you, the fear of the Lord needs to fall. I will tell you personally, I am praying for the fear of the Lord to fall on this church, on every one of us, to the place where we are in such reverence, such awe of God, that we would not even consider disobeying Him. That we would be just so enraptured with Him, that we just want to hear from Him, God, what do you want? I want to do it. I I just love you. I'm just amazed by... You know, there was a song, I stand in awe of you. It's an old song, but I'm telling you, that's where the church needs to get back to. And the reverential, worshipful fear of God because then God can move the way He wants to and we need Him to. Amen? I'd like every head bowed, every eye closed. It may have have seemed like, you know, this is pretty intense. I want you to know that, that we're living not in a place where a game's being played, a Super Bowl. Yeah, it's being played. And it is a game. But there is a battle going on and it is a war. But know this, the war's already been won. Jesus has gotten the victory and he wants his team, he wants you, his body, to display his victory and his glory. That every attack every obstacle, every opposition that you find yourself facing, you have to remind yourself and remind the enemy you're a defeated foe. My God, who I honor, who I am in awe of, who I trust, who I obey... Has said that i can tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy that nothing by any means would harm me my god almighty god who conquered hell and death and the grave has given me life and life abundant my god has given me everything that pertains to life and godliness and said I am overwhelmingly more than a conqueror in all things through him. My God has said his spirit that he has put in me as his child, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. So whatever I face, the victory's already been won. And I stand, knowing that I stand in him And with him and for him, and I will not be overcome. Father, I thank you for your church. I thank you for your glorious, victorious church that is rising up like those bones and sinews and flesh and skin rose up when the power of God came in them. Father, I pray for your power to fill your people. That, Father, we would be fully fortified, empowered, that you would impart your gifts. But that, Father, we would be your army that is waiting for the voice of our master to speak and will do. Speak and will speak. Father, we will rise up in these days to see the glorious, victorious church bringing in the end-time harvest. And we thank you, Father. We thank you, Father, for this. With your eyes closed, you know, it's, it's, everybody wants to be a part of the winning team. And God has the team that's already winning and will always win. And he wants to welcome you to that team. But you have to choose. You choose. God's been waiting. God's been wanting you to come home to Him. And if you have never turned your life over to the Lord, I want to pray with you today, whether you're here in the sanctuary or you're online, to turn to Christ and trust in Him and receive Him as He brings the forgiveness of sin and cleansing to your life, and becomes Lord. So I'm going to invite all of us here, all of you at home, let's pray this prayer together. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your son Jesus who came into this world, lived a sinless life, and died on the cross for my sin. Lord Jesus, I have sinned. I come to you. And I ask you to come into my life, be Lord of my life, cleanse me, create in me a clean heart, renew a right spirit in me, and I thank you, Father, that from this day forward, I am yours, you are mine, thank you for saving me in Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen if you prayed that prayer today uh let somebody know here if you prayed it online go to our website reslifeny.org scroll down to where the prayer requests are let us know that you prayed we want to be able to pray for you by name give us your name and if you want us to contact you give us contact information if you would indulge me one more minute i'm not going to run into your game time that's tonight all right but if you would just close your eyes one more time as believers it's really important that we get what God has provided for us, and there's been a lot said here, but but, what is it that He said to you? Know this, that that, that special word that's to you, and maybe it's to other people, but you know that was God speaking to you, either encouraging you to keep going and doing what you're doing, or it may be a word of of adjustment. You know, you, you kind of got off track. You need to get back on track. Or maybe it's just outright correction where he's saying some some of this stuff needs to end. You need to drop it now. Drop it now so you can hold on to me with both hands. Father, help us. Help us to recognize those things that you have for us, that we would be fully prepared for what we're facing this week. You always provide what we need before the need is ever known. So Lord, I thank you for your rhema word to each and every one of us here today. Those at home, that that rhema word is that now word. It's the sword of the Spirit. It helps us do the battle that we'll face so that we can walk in the victory that you have. And we thank you, Father, for this. Father, I thank you for this week ahead. Thank you that you go ahead of us and you prepare the way. And you prepare us to walk in the way. That, Father, we're going to show forth your glory. We're going to reveal our love for you and for one another and even for those that don't like us. You said we're supposed to love you with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind, our strength. Love our neighbors as ourselves and even love our enemies. Father, we don't have enough love in us apart from you. So Holy Spirit, do what you are there to do. Flood our hearts with the love of God, that unconditional love that never fails and never fades. Father, we thank you. We thank you that in that love going to us and through us, your goodness is being revealed, and that goodness is causing people to turn around back to you we thank you father for this in jesus name and everyone said have a great week